I'm Catherine Spearing, and this is Uncertain. I remember the first time I was introduced to the idea that God was feminine and that both feminine and masculine were represented in men and women. It was mind-blowing in the best sense. Somehow, I was under the impression that men represented God and women were here to serve men. To encounter the belief that God was both masculine and feminine allowed me to explore and acknowledge my femininity in a way that was appreciative, healing, and celebratory. I believe the best thing I can do for women in the church is to live as a whole, thriving human being in all my perceived masculine and feminine traits. This episode is a little different than other Uncertain Podcast episodes. I asked several women to share their experiences as women in the church. The question I asked them was, when were you aware you were female in the church? This podcast supports Tears of Eden, which is a community and resource for those in the aftermath of spiritual abuse. You can check out more resources at tearsofeden.org. If you subscribe to the mailing list, you'll receive access to a free meditation. Also on the mailing list, you'll be the first to find out when new episodes are released, find out about new articles as they come out, and email subscribers also receive occasional bonus content. If you're enjoying this podcast and you are finding it helpful, I encourage you to share it with a friend. And please take a moment to like, subscribe, or leave a review on your favorite podcasting listening apparatus. Thanks for being here. I am so glad you're listening today. Church was confusing in a lot of ways. Some of the the powerful messages that were given to me as a as a woman, as a girl. It's a weird place to be knowing that my role, my livelihood and career and my ministry and calling, those skills weren't transferable to everywhere, even within my own denomination just because of my gender. When I inquired of our boss as to why he'd been promoted instead of me, I was told it was because he was a man. I'm also an image bearer of God, like first and foremost. And so I have infinite dignity, value, and worth. I don't want to make the slippery slope argument and then immediately making the slippery slope argument of being like, but there are some churches that have women as elders and now they're questioning the divinity of Jesus. The divinity of Jesus. Okay, but you literally just made a slippery slope argument using women as the start of the slippery slope. In my nearly 10 years on staff with churches, I experienced a reluctance from pastors and men to invest in me because it was just assumed I would eventually get married and become a stay-at-home mom. I saw a disproportionate amount of care given to male counterparts and male interns because they were the ones expected to become future church leaders. There's a wealth of problems in this mindset, but I'll name two. 
First, it assumes I'm going to follow a very narrow path for a woman, a prescribed path that not every woman follows. Not every woman gets married, not every woman has children, and not every woman chooses to be a stay-at-home mom. So this mindset was stereotyping at its best. Second, what a degrading, demeaning posture towards motherhood. To say it isn't worth investing in a pastoral, ministerial way in a woman because she is just going to be a stay-at-home mom, as if it's unimportant for a stay-at-home mom to be trained theologically, ministerially, pastorally. It indirectly assumes a mother doesn't need this sort of training because when would she ever use theological, biblical, or doctrinal knowledge? How belittling to a mother's role. The following stories are the experiences of women in the church. These voices represent the majority of the voices who make up church congregations. Too often, the pain of women is ignored in favor of biblical accuracy. I need to take a moment to say that if women are in pain, it is a signal that something is wrong. While attending seminary, I was working for a church with a male counterpart. Our boss was promoted, which meant someone needed to take his place. Without blinking, they gave the job to my male coworker. I found this curious as I clearly had more experience and actually liked and was good at the work we were doing. My male counterpart was not good at it, made several comments indicating he didn't like the work, and had told me he was just doing this job to gain ministry experience while he was in seminary. When I inquired of our boss as to why he'd been promoted instead of me, I was told it was because he was a man. My role was assistant director of worship. If the director was on vacation, then I would step in and act as director. And the specific purpose of me being a, an assistant worship director at that time when I was offered that job was to grow me into a director so I could go out with one of our church plants and then be a director of worship. I've been on staff for maybe like seven, eight years at a several thousand person church. So I was at work one day and the front desk person said, it's some other church, they need to talk about worship. When I picked up the phone call, it was such a weird call. He said, our church has been shrinking and struggling for a long time. And at this point, we're like 30 to 50 people strong, 10 of which are elders. The other, however many you can imagine, are probably elders' wives and stuff. Could you please send somebody down to help us out? Then I realized he's using a lot of pronouns that I wouldn't have expected him to be using. Like, we're looking for someone, and, and he'd ideally he'd play guitar because we don't have a keyboard, or if he wanted to bring his own keyboard, that'd be cool, and all this kind of stuff that I was sort of, he, 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 he. I said, okay, so just to be clear, I've heard you saying he. Are you, are you specifically looking for a male worship leader? And he says, oh, well, um, you know, this person would not just be like playing an instrument. We really want this person to be also able to like lead prayers or lead a call to worship, lead elements of the liturgy, like a prayer of confession. So yeah, so it would need to be a man. 
my job was leading worship, including leading prayers, leading calls to worship, leading prayers of confession, leading all of the stuff that he just told me that, well, of course, a woman couldn't do them or shouldn't do them. Among other things, he was so certain. There was like an of course aspect to how he was saying it. Oh, of course, it didn't need to be a man because uh, he would need to lead a prayer for the congregation. That made me question a lot of of courses just in the church at it at large. Oh, well, of course, women shouldn't be elders um, or pastors. But of course, things should be must be done this way because we have to be in keeping with the Bible. And there's so much room for interpretation on things that aren't the core circle, or even what, what lies in that core circle of like, we must believe it. In retrospect, I think I would have done this differently. But what I did was I, I literally sent my husband down um, with his guitar to lead worship at their church. And he ended up doing that for them several times. It's a weird place to be knowing that my role, my livelihood and career, and my ministry and calling were only possible because I happened to be at a church that was on the liberal end of the sliding scale and that I, those skills weren't transferable to everywhere, even within my own denomination, just because of my gender. I have heard multiple men state that male youth workers should be paid more because they are supporting a family and I am not supporting a family, as a female, and as a single female. I argue that the work and job description should determine pay range, with experience and education of course being factors, but that gender should not contribute to the decision. People I love and adore disagree with me on this. Church was confusing in a lot of ways, but some of the the powerful messages that were given to me as a as a woman, as a girl. There are also things that still are with me today that are just really hard that or hope that the church is starting to see that some of the ways that we approach certain situations like purity are can be damaging. When I was in fifth or sixth grade, one of the assignments that we had in our small group, we were given a piece of paper that was a heart. They didn't really tell us what we were going to do with these hearts. I was brought to the front of the small group and my small group leader was holding my heart and she was like, Okay, so, you know, here's her heart and here's all the things that, you know, make up her. Let's say she makes out with this boy under the stairs in middle school and she tears a piece of the heart off. And then just starts like giving these situations, these scenarios that like I haven't ever done. And then in high school, let's say, you know, she does this and she tore another piece off. And in college, she does this and she tears another piece off. And so I'm left with like a very small part of my heart. The teacher was like, so it's her wedding day. 
And this is all she has to give to her husband. So all of these allegations that were happening were not true. And even if they were true, this is a horrible way to talk about and say that this is what is happening to somebody's heart when they have a sexual experience. This is all you've got left if you, if you, if you commit these things, if you do these things, these sexual if you have these sexual experiences, that was very shaping. I was just really confused with what was going on with me, what was going on with my body. That situation was with the heart was really handled terribly. It did continue to impact me and I did continue to think about, so when I get married, like how much of myself does my husband actually get? Those thoughts would still show up and I would still feel the shame and the guilt. I was part of a church for about 16 years, and we had a situation where someone who was a registered sex offender who was recently released from jail came and approached the leadership at our church and was interested in joining the church. I was heavily involved in the children's ministry. We had some major concerns for the children because the offense involved a child. We discovered through this situation, significant amount of women had past trauma with sexual abuse. They did not feel safe. The decision that they made to deal with the levels of discomfort for some of the women was to use the cry room, which was reserved for nursing mothers and young mothers who their children and were needing a place to privately take care of their children but also have them crying but still be able to hear the service they were and they made that room a special for them which i think was really troubling for me also is that here's a situation where this was a man who abused a female a girl women there's problems with women and the decision was to take something away from women children and have it be him and not realize that that was also inappropriate and not caring. For. There was just an abundance of desire to care for this person and not really caring for the fact that there were some severely hurt, hurting women. All these women had sexual trauma done to them and our church felt unwilling to care for them but felt so willing to care for this one man at the expense of so many women that were in the current flock. It's deeply upsetting. I was determined to find a church to see if the lies that I was told in my upbringing were true. And I went to a counselor who was on staff with the church and I knew I wanted a male. I wanted a male to see if all males were the same or are they different? Is there hope for the male race because my spiritual abuser was a male so I just assumed all males were abusive. So I finally went to this counselor and he showed me love and told me that what I was told growing up was wrong and it was harmful and it gave me hope. I got to share my story of what it's like to be a female on staff at a church with a coworker. 
He really wanted to hear and he kept asking questions and at one point I saw the anger in his eyes. I'll be honest, seeing that anger on his face when he heard how I'd been treated, it was very powerful. I felt heard and seen in a way I've rarely experienced from a man in a church context. Honestly, I didn't know how starved I was for that sort of conversation until a man sat with me long enough to really feel what I was feeling. I'll never forget it. I'm also an image bearer of God, like first and foremost. And so I have infinite dignity, value, and worth. You know, it's just something innate to being a woman. God made me as a woman. He made me a woman. I don't want to like narrow it down to like, well, being a woman is you know, because I'm a mother. Well, there's women who aren't mothers and they're still women. Being a woman is being a wife. Some women aren't married and they're still women. Some women are divorced or widowed and they're still women. I think you can usually tell that a church is thriving when the women are thriving. There's something, there's something good about being female. These are not an exhaustive sample of examples. Neither is this the end of the conversation. I have a dream that the church will be the safest place for women, as it once was. Once upon a time, the church dignified women. It was the first to say they had value beyond just being property. The church subverted a culture's view of women, recognizing their humanity and confirming their value. I have a dream it can be that way again. And though this subject, like many subjects connected to the church, exhausts me with how far we have to go, because I care about the church, I won't be silent on this. From Dorothy L. Sayers' essay, Are Women Human? Perhaps it is no wonder that the women were first at the cradle and last at the cross. They had never known a man like this man. There never has been such another. A prophet and teacher who never nagged them, never flattered or coaxed or patronized, who never made arch jokes about them, never treated them either as the women, God help us, or the ladies, God bless them who rebuked without querulousness and praised without condescension, who took their questions and arguments seriously, who never mapped out their sphere for them, never urged them to be feminine or jeered at them for being female, who had no ax to grind and no uneasy male dignity to defend, who took them as he found them and was completely unselfconscious. There is no act, no sermon, no parable in the whole gospel that borrows its pungency from female perversity. Nobody could possibly guess from the words and deeds of Jesus that there was anything funny about women's nature. I 
I'd like to give a special thank you to Alex Scott for reading the stories of two of the women. And I'd also like to say thank you to the women who bravely shared their experiences and have continued to navigate the challenging waters of being a woman in the church. Thanks for joining us today, and I will see you next time.